Hallelujah. You say, what's that got to do with our message tonight? We're going to talk about warfare. Praise the Lord. David, can you get me a music stand so I can get down here in the midst of them? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles tonight. We're learning about prayer tonight in the general operation of prayer, not specific for children or spouses and so forth, but just the overall subject of prayer and how to pray. Now, there are lots of prayers that may not be uh, answerable with God. Prayers that are filled with expectations of failure, doubt, prayers that are not from the heart of man, those prayers may not get far, but we do know that if we ask anything according to his will, he does what? Now, where is the great faith battle that takes place on uh, answered prayer? The battle is on that God hasn't heard you. But if you know that God has heard you, then you have the petitions that we ask of God. Now, there are no questions, no anything. Now, I do want to say this about prayer. Prayer encompasses the entirety of man. Give us this day our daily bread. So we understand that God wants to be the sole provider of our bread. And if there is not sufficiency, if there is a cutoff, then God has given us prayer to access the throne of grace that he himself established. And he says that we can approach it boldly, confidently, without fear, without reservations, without questions. We can approach it and obtain grace and mercy in the time of need. Every need could be addressed by prayer. And then... We understand that God wants to be involved in our spiritual life. Forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. Understand God thinks it's important that we operate in forgiveness. And when we talk about operating in forgiveness, we don't talk about just in forgetting. We talk about forgiveness and getting beyond what we would call damage caused by wrong that leads us to offense and we talked about the six characteristics of offense a couple of weeks ago on groundhog day and so we talked about those things so god wants us to be involved then he wants us to be winners in spiritual battles nobody should and, and when i say this people get freaked out one time i said well you know it's not god's will you be sick a woman got up and left the church and sent me a message that she left the church. She wasn't a member. She just left the building. I said, well, why would you leave the building? Well, you said if we're sick, it's not God's fault. He has provided a way out. I said, yeah, by his stripes we're healed. She said, well, I, I just don't like that. So I said, okay, let me pray cursing upon you. Make, you know, that's what I wanted to say. I didn't say, but. But people sometimes get the attitude that God doesn't want them to be spiritually successful or victorious. 
Now, I'm going to say this, and don't get shaken. If you face things without God's involvement, you will never unveil who he is. But you will unveil the life of hopelessness. And when we live in hopelessness, that's all that the world sees. They see us like we see them without hope and without Christ. If they don't see a difference, then we have failed to unveil God and unveil his glory. We are the, what is that word? The light. In other words, we are the unveiling and the shedding forth of the redemptive plan of God. It's all based in love. It's all based and activated by faith. But many people, because of neglect, busyness, attitudes, whatever it might be, they try to do things their way. Because they, in the back of their mind, have more confidence in failed experiences as they do in guaranteed victory in God. I do not apologize for the victorious life that God has given the believer. I do not apologize for the abundant life that God desires for the believer. Because any believer lives the abundant life becomes a distribution center for kingdom purposes. Amen? And so, I don't apologize for those things. I don't apologize for somebody getting not getting healed because that's not between me and them. I pray if they come, I pray the prayer of faith. Now, I know on surface who they are, but God knows who they are. He knows the depth of their faith. I know just what they're saying. He knows the depth of their righteousness, their purity, or their iniquity that is in their heart. I know nothing. I've had people say, boy, they had all the faith in the world. I wonder why they died. They didn't have all. They might have had all the faith in the world, but they didn't have all the faith that a believer possesses. Listen, I believe that God is the God of impossible. You, you understand? I believe that God is the God of the impossible. And too many people have stripped God trying to appease society. We owe society nothing except a revelation of Jesus in man. But we do not need to pacify their unbelief and their disregard for God's existence and power. Amen? Now, let me tell you what prayer means. Prayer means this. Now, this is a combination of things and activities that are incorporated in prayer. Number one, it means to ask. It means to inquire. It means to intercede or stand in the place of another. It means to praise. It means to give thanks. It means to make a confession, not only of sin, but of benefits or promises of God. It means holy meditation. 
It means when you're meditating before the Lord, meditating on the word, you are what? You are meditating. You are petitioning God for an unveiling of what he has said to you. It means to wait on the Lord. And it means to petition, and it means to declare. So let's realize that there are many ways to pray. Not everybody does it the same way. You can pray with your eyes closed, pray with your eyes open. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray prostrate. You can pray standing. You can pray, you know, laying on your back or on your belly. It doesn't matter. The, the position of you when you're praying does not affect your faith. Amen? All right. So, we're going to talk about tonight that we are in a war. We are in a war. Let's go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the eleventh verse. I know that we all say we know this, and I believe that we do know it to memorization. But maybe the reality has never sunk into us. We sometimes think that everybody else is our enemy. We think surface people, brothers and sisters, people that we work that with that have not done us wrong, we think everybody is our enemy. Therefore, we blame everybody. Everybody comes up short of what we expect them to do. That breeds offense. Offense is simply somebody doing something that puts you out of your comfort zone. And you demand that they change so you don't have to. Now, that's the birthplace of offense. Now, Ephesians, the sixth chapter and verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the plans, the purposes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, as soon as we say that, our mind should say, nobody that is in existence is my enemy. It doesn't mean that people won't be used by the devil. But their natural, physical substance of a body, their minds, their thoughts, their activities are not your enemies. Not at all. And we should never classify anybody as an enemy. There are, there's only one enemy in our life, and that is the devil. Does he use men and women? Yes, but that doesn't mean that they are. Most Christians are deceived thinking that the person that is using that is their enemy. And then people are deceived because somebody doesn't conform to their way. They think that they're the problem. No, no. There's one enemy, and that is the devil. And he needs to be as preached as much as is necessary to make people knowledgeable or understanding or awakened to his existence. See, we think when we start talking about the devil, the world thinks we're stupid. Bottom line, 
I'm not here to please them. We are here to serve the Lord by faith and to live by truth. Well, it just sounds weird. You're weird anyway. If you're not believing in God, you're weird. If you do believe in God, you're weird. You're weird in any kingdom you're in. Yeah. All right. And then it says this. Wherefore, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, against darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, those are our enemies. No one else. And then it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may able... I'm sorry. I read that. Look at verse 15. I'm, I'm sorry, 14. So that you, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, we're not going to talk about all this armor, and your feet, which is uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of your salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. Now, it doesn't mean to stop and petition. Remember, you have access to many different types of prayer. You can make a confession over somebody that you're praying with. You can confess the word over their life based on what you have prayed. That is prayer. You can thank God for them. For their victory. That's prayer. So it doesn't mean you become a monk and shut yourself off from the living. It means that you're mindful that there is always a confrontation going on in your life and against people. And the devil is against sinners just as much as he's against the church. And it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching with thereunto... Watch with all perseverance and supplication for a few of the saints. All of the saints. Now, the Bible said, take the word of God, which is the spirit, which is the sword of the spirit, and pray. Now, that tells us that all prayer must be incorporated and infused with the word. Right? I do not believe in anything beyond or that anything is beyond the hope of prayer. I do not believe it. I, I don't believe it. I've seen skulls that have been crushed and sunk in totally made whole. I've seen people drag their cells on two by fours, stand up and walk with them. I've seen babies, countless of them, with no bones skeletal uh, structure to hold them up. You couldn't feel a bone in their back. And I've seen God recreate them. I've seen the blind see thousands of them. I've seen the deaf hear. I've seen the dumb speak. I've seen the lepers cleanse. I've seen the crippled walk. So when somebody tells me, oh, I just don't believe in answered prayer, no, you don't believe in a God that answers prayer. There is no lack of thought that prayer works 
because even sinners will attempt to pray. And every false religion has some part of prayer. And I do not believe that every false religion has their own redeemer. There is one redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? There is no question, one. Somebody say one. There is one Jesus, and he is the only begotten son of the living God. But every religion has this point of contact of prayer. Of course, theirs is hopeless. They pray to dead images that don't even eat the food you put in front of them. They pray to statues that have been made by other men. They pray to wood. They pray to the God of the wilderness, God of the wood, the God of the air, God of the skies. Uh, I remember a man in Africa. He said, uh, I came to one of your crusades, and when I seen what Jesus did, I went back and I disbanded my church. He said, I no longer will worship the God of the mountains of the African nation. He was the God of the mountains. He went back, disbanded his church, declared that he's going to preach Jesus. I met him a year later in a crusade about nine, ten hours from where he was. Took him days to get there. And he said, but Sunday when I go home to preach, I will be preaching to 1,000 brand new baptized, blood-washed, spirit-filled believers. And so, prayer works. Now, we're going to talk about prayer tonight. We're going to talk about it being a warfare and that you and I, as believers, are to pray for all, somebody say all, all saints. And if we just took the last two days and asked ourselves, how many saints have I prayed for? That will tell us a lot about what we are using our access to God for change, protection, deliverance, and healing for. Most of it is about us. You've heard the old thing, bless us, my children, my household, us four, no more. I'd like to say that that's just a far-stretched lie, but it might be the mentality. Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning you because I don't know who you prayed for today, but I would ask you, did you pray for all the people that you know are saved? Did you pray for the people in your church? I, I would say this, but I might be the last on the list. Did you pray for me? Absolutely. So, let's talk about praying that it being a battle and we are to watch for the souls of all men that they might be saved. Amen? All right, so let's start talking about, you know, it being a war and us praying for others. So, we're going to talk about just start discussing what do you think that warfare is? What do we think? Is it easy? Is it hard? How should we pray? What should we do? Let's talk about it. Bob, you're in a home group, right? Well, this is supposed to be a home group. So I never run a home group. So you're going to have to help me. Now, who has uh, any insight into prayer when you're fighting the devil? Nobody. Well, then let's go back to 101. Hallelujah. Uh, David, have you ever prayed for someone? 
Have you seen results? Have you prayed for people you didn't see results? Do you think that's God not answering your prayer? Or the adversary hindering that other person receiving the graces that are extended to him by God? Yes, the adversary hindering, feeding him thoughts and so forth. So the adversary, just because we're praying, doesn't mean that the adversary stops working. Daniel proved that. We know that the battle started when he prayed. And realized that the word of God is the most powerful substance in the world today. Jesus used it when he was in conflict. Jesus used it when Peter was in conflict in Luke, the 22nd chapter, 31 and 32, said, Peter, the devil has desired to sift thee like wheat. Peter didn't even say, yeah, I've been struggling. He might not even even known that the devil was trying to destroy him. And lots of times people, because of the battle, you've heard the old saying, you can't see the trees because of the forest. Sometimes you can't see who is doing what and what is happening on your, in your life because you're in the battle. I was with a young man yesterday, and I was uh, helping him, and I said, look, this is what you're doing. He said, well, I don't feel like I'm doing it. I said, I'm standing here watching you do it. He said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, look, I'm not standing here. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying to you. This is what you're doing. Oh, well, I don't feel like it. No, I'm not, really. I said, put your rear end up against that. So he put up his rear end up against that, and I said, well, there now. Now go ahead and do that. He did it. I said, hey, wasn't your rear end supposed to be back there? Now it's clear up here, six inches away from it. Now who moved you? I said, not me. The devil's not here. God didn't move. Who moved you? Well, I, I, I don't realize I'm doing it. I said, but you're doing it. He's unaware of what he's doing, yet, but what he's doing is his enemy. And sometimes people that we are in relationship with can't see. That's why the Bible commands you and I, if you see your brother in error, you go to that brother. Why? Because that brother has become a man that everything is right in his own way. In his own eyes, he perceives that it's right. But it takes someone with a watchful heart that cares about somebody else, that loves their neighbor as their self. That we are as God, as, as Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? Of course you are. Absolutely. And so sometimes we're going to pray for people that they may look fine on the outside. But how many know that spiritual warfare doesn't always show up on the outside? The results of a conquered soldier in battle will be seen later and his scars will have to be dealt with if they can be dealt with. But we should be able to be conscious and aware of them before they lose that battle. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. 
How can one go to war and win? By himself. How can one walk? Because if he lays down, he'll get cold. So if a man falls and there's nobody's with him, who is going to lift him up? Now, I don't want to throw blame on the church, but you know probably lots of backslidden Christians. Their blood may fall on the hands of people that have never been aware or refused to get involved in them. You know, we live in this, uh, how do you call it? Uh, some of us live in the body of Christ with camo. In other words, every time we see somebody that has a problem, we disappear. Oh, yeah. We see them in Kroger's. Oh, they're so-and-so. Oh, yeah. You, you know, oh, I used to go to church with him. Oh. That, that should tell you right there, there's something rotten in the core of you. But why do we do that? We don't want to be involved in people's problems. So you know what we do? We let their problems consume them. Come on. And so how come we aren't praying for all saints? So if we're going to pray for all saints and the Holy Ghost is with us in prayer, we'd have to, have to ask ourselves, how many times have we missed his leading to pray for those that are in desperate need of help? And again, I'm not condemning anybody. Because I'm just as guilty as everybody else. We are people that want to live by ourselves with God as our own servant, our own responder, our own need meter, but we don't want nobody else to know him. How can we, the eyes of God, the ears of God, the heart of God, the lips of God, the hand and the feet of God, of Jesus, whichever one you want to use, Jesus walked by so many broken people and not be moved to prayer. How long does it pray or how long does it take, David, for a man that comes to your thought and you say, Father, I shall lead him by your spirit today, lead him in the paths of righteousness and order his steps, O oh God. I know that was 20 seconds of your life and you had to take a breath, but it may be the difference of a man named Lot perishing in a wicked world other than being set free and delivered by an intervention of God. It may be, we've all heard stories that, you know, in the middle of the night, brother, I was over in Africa praying for you and I woke up and I saw you, really? Praise God, that's just when our plane lost an engine going down. And we all marvel at them. 
But what if we'd have been laying in that bed? See me in the morning, Jesus. It's before hours. Not on the clock. I'm just saying that we as Christians have the answer to the impossible, radical deliverance and turnaround, listen, of every person that is afflicted by the devil. Every person. Oh, God doesn't, God, God doesn't want. Well, he doesn't heal everybody. Well, maybe one of the ones that you're not praying for is one of the ones he will. Until you get a list, you got to pray for them all. Right? Well, you know, they, they've made their bed, and now they're just living in it. Aren't you glad God turned your beds of languishing into places of victory and celebration? Yeah, why did they do that? Somebody was praying. Aren't you glad that God has done for you what he's done for you? Yes, man, I'm just... You are not your own self-made man. You'd be surprised how many people have prayed for you to keep the construction of God in motion on your life. You'd be astounded at how many people praying in the Holy Ghost, not knowing who or what they were praying for, but God knew who you were and where you were. See, we sometimes just think that, you know, we just pray for people that know and when they ask us. And half the time when they ask us, we blow them off and, oh, God bless them. And that's it. And we move on. We have appeased our conscience. And what else is there to deal with? And so... You have been given the right to pray. You have been given the word of God. And every word of God is to be transformed into a prayer. Have you ever read Psalms? It seems like a wonderful book, right? It is. But when you read it next time, read it and listen how David in just about 70% of the Psalms is petitioning God about his enemies and about a way out. What's David doing? He's praying. That's David's prayer life. That's David's prayer book. That's David petitioning God, not only for his enemies, but for his deliverance. And so when you read Psalms, and you read it like that, you'll see that David was a man of great prayer. He tried to deal with everything in his life by prayer. That's why he always was a man after God's own heart. I'm not my own provider. God, you are my peace, my shield, and my rock. So, somebody tell me a story about David. You've prayed for people. You know that the enemy is working. So what will the enemy do? He'll keep working, but he'll expect you to stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep fighting. Amen? Keep fighting. So, 
You ever had a prayer battle, David? Good. Tell me about your prayer battle. I'm putting you on the spot. lawsuit and there was a whole lot of battles going on there and I felt like the devil was really working on me and he'd work on my mind more than anything else and then the funny part was it would be backed up with actions outside of there so not only was he in my mind but I'm trying to stop him and it's coming at me out here and then you start to question yourself as to am I in God's will <clears throat> and how did I get out of here where I'm at now and but but you've just got to set your mind, in, and I think there's a lot of battlegrounds in the mind. You just got to lock your mind into God's will, and believe the word when you read the word. One of the things, I'll just say this: one of my prayers was just like David in Psalms, <clears throat> let my enemies get trapped in the traps they're setting for me. Mm -hmm. And it took maybe a lot more time than it should have because my faith maybe <laughs> isn't where it's supposed to be. But I eventually did see that happen, and, and, and then you break into the praise part when, when God delivers. Mm -hmm. And we can break in that praise part before he delivers. Now, David said something. I didn't know if my faith was up here or not. Can anybody tell me where Jesus required a measure of faith from anyone to answer a prayer? And you read the Bible. Where does it talk about the prayer of faith and where, you know, you got to have faith when you pray? Does it say that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, we do know that that uh, First John says that if, if uh, we pray according to his will, then he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Um, so there's a measure of, like Dave was saying, submitting to God to resist the devil. But the question that you're asking is not what I just answered. It is, did Jesus qualify faith to answer prayer? He would ask, what are you believing for? What do you believe? Am I able to do this according to your faith? Yeah, Absolutely. Did anybody that has said that to walk away sick? No. Here's what we say. Jesus is under the persuasion that no one would ever doubt that God would hear. He said, this is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven. He told them to cover the bases of his, of his life. But he never said, now, if you don't have enough faith, you aren't going to eat today. Never said that. The battle of faith is whether he heard or not. Not how much faith you have. The only place that it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In other words, other people come that have a lack of faith or misunderstanding, whatever it is. And we, as elders, we pray for them, and the prayer of faith saves the sick. It's never, ever doubted that he's not going to be healed. Not doubted. Nobody doubts that if you pray, it's not going to be answered. 
did the disciples teach us to pray? But they never said, but teach us why prayer is not answered. Never said that. Tell me, if you have a scripture, shoot it out at me. Because I want to know. When God said, call upon me and I will answer thee in the day of trouble. If you have great faith. Did he say that? No. Jesus always just said, according to your faith. What was the faith that they had? You can if you will. That was all the faith the leper needed. What did the blind man need? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What was the faith he had? He believed he was the son of God, the Messiah, the son of David. That's what he believed. But Jesus didn't say, well, you know, if you had more. No, he said, according to your faith. You made a statement. If you believe that, then your eyes are opened. And he saw. Sometimes we say, well, you know, if I had more faith, I, you know, I could get an answer. No, you have to resist the devil. Sometimes faith just is not allowed the time to work the process. And faith, remember, is many times symbolized like a seed. You say something, it goes to work into the realm of the spirit, ultimately showing up in the natural. So, yes, what did Jesus tell the disciples? Believe what you say will come to pass. He didn't say, now you're going to have to have more faith than everybody else. You know, and this is only going to happen in the fourth year of your development of your faith. He never said that. We throw that in. Faith is a persuasion that what God said will be true. Having done all to stand, brace yourself and keep standing. Faith doesn't have so much to do with a big measure. It has a lot to do with your fortitude of hanging on to what you have released. If you had faith as a must, grain of mustard seed, now that's pretty small. It's a whole lot smaller than this. It's about the size of a pencil, a sharpened pencil. If you said to this mountain and become persuaded, don't move, don't rethink, don't back up, that mountain is going to be removed. But we always say, oh, if we had more faith, if we had this, we had that. Oh, you know, man, you got great faith. Really tell that to my wife. Really. Tell that to the last battle that I lost. Really. Tell that to the last time I caved in. Nobody knows how much faith you got. Except that you resist the devil and see faith's reward. We know that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that diligently seeks the Lord, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there is a reward of faith. So when we talk about praying, 
Let's stop thinking about how much faith you have. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Then you have all the faith you need. Because if you ask anything according to his will, and you believe that he has heard you, you believe in the name of his Son, then you've got it. Do you believe in Jesus? Then you are qualified for answered prayer as long as it's contained in the will of God. That's it. All you. That's it. Just ask. Do you believe in Jesus? Then you're qualified for answered prayer. See, we we just I think sometimes we make excuses for failure. We fail when we fail in loyalty to our faith. When we stop doing what faith requires to unveil God in our life, we fail faith. Faith never fails you. Never. Faith has never failed to save one sinner. Faith has never failed to heal a sick person. Faith has never failed to bring a harvest to any seed. And faith has never failed to bring answered prayer. You may fail faith, but faith will not fail you. People don't backslide because faith quit working. People backslide because they quit working faith. Hmm? Sin doesn't come in because faith is not there. Sin comes in because men fail to use faith. Pretty simple. So, quit worrying if you have enough faith. You prayed when you got saved, right? Did God hear you? Now is the ante up? Because you're a son instead of an enemy? Really? No. The devil couldn't stop your prayer of repentance? How could he stop your prayer of petition now? Please, somebody tell me how the devil has got so big and our God has got so little. We walk by sight and not by faith. That may be the end of it, David. Hallelujah. So I hope your house meetings don't go like this because I wouldn't show up to preach. Hallelujah. Next week, we're reading three more chapters. And we are going to discuss this. It's going to be one long night. You better come prepared. Or you better find another seat to sit in. Move back to the back. Hallelujah. All righty. Let's start praying. Somebody say, prayer. Prayer. Just look around you. And every person you look at is in a war and a fight for their soul. Pray for them. For every saint. Every saint is precious to God. And every saint can be lost and stolen from the Father. 
Amen? All right, stand your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us keep God's prayer simple. Let us keep God simple as this. If we have need of wisdom, we ask of God. No doubt, no moving of our mind, no questions, no whys, and God, it will be given. You are God of simplicity. You are God of truth. You do not change. You will not break your covenant. You are the most absolute God in all of the earth, in all of the worlds. God, there is no God like unto thee. You are God and there is no other. In Jesus' name.